the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The apostle wrote to that church 2,000 years ago, where Pastor and Shower and I say to you virtually every Sunday. He wrote to that church at Corinth, God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace be unto you. And throughout all these centuries, we echo the same word to God's people. God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace. Cecilia says to me yesterday, when I said I love you, she said, why do you say that all the time? Why does mama say that all the time? Why does daddy say that all the time? Why does grandma say that all the time? And I said, because we love you so much. And because we never, 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 never want you to forget that. And she snuggled a bit closer. The six-year-old was beginning to run out into the street after a ball. And her father yelled at her, Stop! Look both ways. And she turned and she said, Why do you say that to me all the time? You say that to me all the time. And Joshua said, I don't want you to get hurt. Didn't you see the car coming? If you didn't see the car coming, then he didn't see you about to run out into the street. Why do I mention those two episodes? It's the reason we're gathered here this morning. It's the reason that Christians are gathered in churches of all shapes, sizes, forms, and types. Today, in the book of Hebrews, it says, We join together to hear the stories about God, lest we forget for a moment the power of God, love of God, wisdom of God. And I do not need to tell you what you already know. Sometimes there are situations in our life that become so complicated and so deep that we actually lose sight of God because we're looking at the circumstance. Trying to figure out that circumstance. What am I going to do next? I've tried this and it didn't work. I'm going to try this and I'm hoping it working. And this doesn't work so now i got to try something else. Who do I go to? Where do I turn? Who do I speak to next? In the book of Hebrews it says the reason you gather together in a small group or the reason you gather together in a worship is to be reminded to be still and know that God is God. I said it not too long ago, if God were to come to me and say, Paul, you got ten things on your plate. You got ten things that you're prone to worry about trying to figure out answers to. I'll help you with two of them. And then I say to God, I don't know which two I want you to help me with. Because that would leave me eight others. 
And I figure when things like that are going on in my life, that I am being told by God, just sit back, take a day at a time, let the God of such power, love, and wisdom, let him handle these matters. You be still and know that God is God. I want to bring into your life for a moment a man named King Saul. He was the first king of the chosen people of Israel. There had been judges and prophets over them for many a century. But now in 1 Samuel 8, uh, the people want a king ruling over them. Why do they want a king? Because everyone else around them has had a king. The Hittites have a king, the Girgashites have a king, and their arch enemy, their arch enemy, the Philistines, they have a king. Samuel says to them, you're going against God. They said, we don't really care, we want a king. Samuel speaks to God, God allows it, and this man Saul becomes their king. He doesn't want to be king. When they're looking for him, he's hiding under some tents. And they literally have to force him into this position. He came into the kingship, a very humble man. He came into the kingship saying, I don't have the qualities to do this. The Bible points out that he's a very handsome man. The Bible points out that he's head and shoulders above everyone else. Tall, handsome, and good looking. A little bit of history to understand the situation. It's been 200 years since Israel had left Egypt. Israel has entered the promised land, but not until they had spent 40 years in the wilderness. Sometimes people look at dry periods of their life. Sometimes people look at trials and storm periods in their life. And they say, that was wasted time. Those two years were wasted. The years of financial difficulty, the years of broken relationships, the years of illness, the years of the car accident, the years of chemotherapy and radiation that seemed never to come to an end. Those were wasted years. But a Christian looks at those years, and the last thing in the world they would ever say is those are wasted years. Because it was during those years, was it not? That God's got so close to you, and you got so close to God. They were not wasted years. They were years in which perhaps for the first time you saw God with eyes that had never seen him before. And you heard God with ears that had never really heard his voice before. You had read certain verses in the Bible, they meant nothing to you. You just breezed over them. But all of a sudden, during this desert time in your life, during this storm time in your life, those verses came alive for the first time ever. Maybe it's been uh, 10 years now, maybe it's been 20 years, and you look at those verses, and they become dry verses again. But during that time, those verses were ripe with the presence of God. The Israelites, 40 years in the wilderness, the lessons God taught them in the wilderness, not wasted years at all. When you consider God teaching them through his miracles of wonder, protection, the trust, 
the lessons and trust that God continually tried to bring forth from them. If you follow me, blessings will come. Manna from heaven when all seems lost. Quail blowing in from the sea when all seems lost. Deliverance from the Hittites and the Amalekites when they are outnumbered a thousand to one. Blessings from God. Lessons learned from Him that would never have been learned had they been 400 years in the promised lands. We do not sit and think during times in our own deserts. We do not sit and think during times when our own storms are going on. God is going to work through these storms. We don't think that at all. We say, I wish this desert time would end quickly and I wish these storms would end quickly. And then, if God's Spirit is listened to, we sit back as did the Apostle Paul who is asking God to bring an end to a storm. And God said, the storm's going to continue because you're going to learn lessons about me that you learn no other way. And Paul had finally come to the point, as you and I finally come to the point, I'm not going to be sitting here thinking, when's this storm going to come to an end? I'm going to be sitting here thanking God that he's with me in this storm. A number of years ago, I was on a medication. My first question to the doctor was, how long do I have to be on this medication? He said to me, Dr. Sibeli, He said to me, here's a little pill that I take. I'm 44 years of age. And I take this little pill every single day. I've been taking it for eight years. And if I stopped taking this pill, my heart would stop and I would die. He said to me, Paul, I do not ask how long do I have to keep taking this pill. I'll take it for the rest of my life. And he said to me, I thank God that this pill exists because it keeps me alive. He said to me, Paul, you're asking the wrong question when you say, how long do I have to keep taking this pill? What you should be saying is, thank you, God, that this medication exists and helps people. We come to the point, do we not? I pray we come to the point when we are not asking God, when is this going to come to an end? But whether we're sitting there saying, thank you, God, that you are with me in this time. There's never a period of your life that is wasted. Chemo, radiation, prolonged unemployment, car accidents, death of someone close to your heart, the unending grief that comes with that. There is never a period of your life that is wasted. I say it to you four times a year. I don't want to say it too often. I say it all the time to my grandchildren. I love you. But I don't want to say it too often to you. Four times a year. Oswald Chambers. I pity any Christian who does not have some trial going on in their life. Because it's the trials that keep us close to God. 
11th century B.C. or here, here come the Philistines. They have a king, they have a standing army, they have metal weapons. And this disjointed 12 tribes of Israel stand no chance against the well-organized Philistines. It is at that point, 160 years now in the promised land, 160 years without a king while everyone else has kings, they said to Samuel, the reason we're defeated is they have a king we do not. Samuel said to them, the reason you are defeated is because you have walked away from God. You're worshiping other idols. And God is using this discipline to bring you back to him. And they said to him, baloney, don't believe your words. We want a king. Samuel speaks to God. God appoints Saul as king. He is anointed by Samuel. And God's blessing is upon this man. The Bible says Saul put fresh heart into his countrymen. And through his efforts, blessed by God, the Philistines are pushed back from the central plateau. And Israel once again rules over the promised lands. There is a lesson to be learned from Saul. There are two of them, one this week, one next week. Saul did not know his place. When Saul comes into power, he's a follower of God. But the more success he had, he falls into the trap. This success has come from my hands. Sometimes in our despair, we get close to God. And in our successes, we begin to fall away from God. Saul is saying, my hand has gotten me these victories. It was well and good until the Philistine army sent their giants and Goliath out into the valley of Elah. And all of a sudden, for the first time in his kingship, which has not gone on all that long, year and a half, two years, Saul is no longer having a success. He's having an embarrassing failure. The giant stands out in the valley of Elah every single day, cursing God and cursing Saul and cursing the army of Israel. Here comes young David. David defeats Goliath. And as soon as he defeats Goliath, what are the people singing? Saul has slain his thousand. David has slain his tens of thousands. And all of a sudden, Saul is not the big man on campus any longer. It is David who is being sung praises to. And the deeper Saul gets into his own sorrows, into his own uncertainties, the greater does the walk away from God begin. Samuel cautions him often, but he will not listen to the voice of Samuel. Samuel says to Saul, you need to be still. You need to get back to God. 
He will not hear the voice of Samuel. Saul didn't know his place. Great changes going on in the life of the Israelites. They're disorganized, 12 different tribes. They've never had a central government. Every once in a while, Gideon judges six. They gather together, they defeat an enemy. Every once in a while, Judges 13 through 16, Samson comes and and they go against an enemy. But as soon as the victory is won, they go back to their fractured selves. Everyone doing their own thing, everyone with their own agenda. Think about the changes that take place in your life. And think about the conflicts that arise when the changes occur. (laughs) After I preached last night this sermon, I had a young couple come out. They've got a baby. (laughs) Baby's a couple of months old. They said, we need to hear that message. Because all of a sudden we find ourselves very short with each other. And for the first four years of our marriage, we were never short with each other. I think it might be due to lack of sleep, this, that, and the other. There is a change that has occurred. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a family. All of a sudden, they have two teenagers in the house. And they say, there's a lot going on, Pastor. There's quite a difference between children and teenagers in their pastor. And I said, I remember those days well. Child are amenable to instruction. Teenagers, they want to be treated as equals. Had an individual come in three weeks ago. He says, I think it's time for me to change jobs. I said, you've been there for 15 years. Why in the world would you change jobs? He said, my old boss, retired. I've got a new boss come in. I said, how long you been with a new boss? He said, about six weeks. He said, I know it isn't going to work. Changes that take place in our lives. In a few weeks, we got kids heading off to high school for the first time, my grandson included. In a few weeks, we got kids heading off to college for the first time. Many of our members here. Changes take place in our lives, and when changes occur, we become so fixated on the situation that we lose sight of the God who's been with us always. This past week, I talked to a young man who finished his first year in college, and he said, I need to talk with you because I'm not going back. He said, Pastor, I got a 32 on my ACT test. I was offered scholarships at 10 different schools. I took this one. I had my path all planned out, mechanical engineering. And he said, something happened to me this past year. My dream is gone. My desire is gone. It's like I'm just broken inside. And he said, I can't begin to fathom how my parents are going to react when I tell them I'm not going back to school. What do I do? 
And for every situation in this past month, that's the verse up there on the back wall. I've said to them, just be still and let God be God. Just be still and let God be God. There's one other change that takes place in our life. Saul, for a brief period of time, said, I'm going to rule differently. I'm going to rule differently. I'm not going to listen to the people praising David. I'm going to rejoice that David is doing God's work. He's saying, I'm going to make some changes in the way I do my kingship. And when he began to make the changes, he realized that he was bumping into life. You can have things on the inside that say, I'm going to change. I'm not going to be the negative person I've always been. I'm going to change the way I treat my teenage child. I'm going to change the way the things that come out of my mouth. They're not going to be so negative all the time. I'm going to change my outlook on life. I'm going to change my purpose in life. And you do that for a while and all of a sudden you bump into life. You find yourself doing exactly what you've done before. You had a good stretch of two or three months and now you're back to doing what you did before. Same words coming out of your mouth. Same attitude coming out of your mouth. You begin a school year. You say, as a teacher, I'm going to conquer this year. I'm not going to let things get to me the way they did before. With this new boss, I'm going to handle him in a different way. My old boss was this way. My new boss is this way. We set all these plans and then we bump into life itself. Saul did fine until one day he heard the people praising David and he went back to his old self. Saul said, I'm going to start listening to the voice of God again. And as soon as the enemy came against him, he forgot God and he was back to doing his old thing. Changes come in our lives. Know your place. Know your place when the changes come. Your focus is not on chemo. Your focus is not on the cancer. Your focus is not on the MS. Your focus is not on the dementia in your mom. Your focus is not on the new boss. Your focus is not on my dream just got shattered because I'm not going back to school. Your focus is on God. You sang in the hymn, Lord, be my vision, be my vision. Tommy, he's with you. Susan, he's with you. Albert, he's with you. Tony, he's with you. Martha, he's with you. Greg, he's with you. Sherry, he's with you. And the list goes on and on in covering the 1,800 members of this church. Preston is with you. That we never forget. That we never forget. We sit in the lap of God.
we feel his presence and we seek by the Spirit's power to serve him, to walk his path. Saul lost his focus on God and all was lost. Others, like Moses, kept their focus on God and all was well. May it be so for us in our Savior's name. Amen. Would you rise as we pray? Small steps, Lord. Small steps, small steps. Day at a time, steps. Small changes by the grace of God, steps. And we ought to rejoice over answered prayers, no matter how small they might be. There are times God doesn't stop the storm all at once. He stops it little by little, little by little. Not like he did on the boat there in the gospel reading, where he held up his hands and the storm was stopped and all was quiet. Sometimes he does it slowly, slowly, slowly. He knows if he stopped the storm too quickly, we would forget that we were at his feet and by his side and in his word and speaking to Christian friends and coming to worship. Sometimes the storm goes on 38 years in the wilderness for those Israelites. Lessons learned every single day, month, week, and year. Heavenly Father, may we never forget our place. May we never forget that our place is hand in hand with you. I'll never get tired of hearing the stories of God. Not those in the Bible, nor those that are shared with me by others. I will never get tired of hearing the stories of God because I need to be refreshed in him all the time. Fill us with yourself, Lord, that we might fill the lives of others with you. In our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.